Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson, and it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Jones had just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And we're going to do some midweek news and notes with a first-time guest. If you're a Jets fan, you know this gentleman well by now. He is the beat reporter covering the Jets for the New York Daily News. Surprised it took this long for us to get together for a podcast, but here he is for the first time on Play Like a Jet. DJ sleeping with the enemy. What's up, DJ? Hey, how you doing, man? You know, I'm just chilling. You know, I'm watching. Uh, Mike, I was actually watching the herd. I watched some clothes at my best friend's house. She just actually went out of town to Mexico. So I eventually will have to leave here soon. But with my clothes to dry, and then I will leave. So, you know, not too crazy. Well, get in a good conversation about what's going on in football right now before you head out. By the way, I hope you don't mind me calling you DJ Sleeping with the Enemy. That's a little callback to one of my childhood heroes, Chris Berman, who used to refer to Eric Bieniemy, who was a running back for the Chargers, and now everybody knows him as an assistant coach with the Chiefs. He used to call him Eric Sleeping with Bieniemy because you remember that movie Sleeping with the Enemy with Julia Roberts. I think it was in the 80s or 90s. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, you, you kind of dated yourself with the um, whole movie <laughs> thing, but that's okay. You know, I've never seen the movie, never heard the movie, but I know who Eric Bieniemy is. When I was getting, um, when I was running track, I thought I was on Juco when I was getting recruited. Um, I remember Oklahoma reached out to me and they asked me if I was related to Eric Bien me. I'm like, no. <laughs> like even like when I went to the owners meeting, I checked into my hotel and um when they asked me what my last name was and I was like, Bien me, they'll said Eric. I'm like, no. 
Well, you don't even spell it the same way. How would they think that you're related to them? Because it's pronounced very similar. So Mm -hmm. if I just say the name, if I just say the last name, it, it, it can it can kind of result into where you might may think that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, I mean, it isn't, it's not even spelled close to the same, but Hey, you know, it's pronounced the same. So people sometimes get kind of lazy. Yeah, I guess so. It's not a super common name, but you spell it completely differently. So you would think that perhaps people would look at the spelling and not think that you guys are related. But if you were, maybe you'd be covering the Kansas City Chiefs right now instead of the Jets, and you'd be getting ready for another championship contender to look at. I think the Jets are quite a ways away from that. They definitely want to make some moves in this draft to push themselves closer to it. And I think a lot of the news that we're going to discuss today involves some of the moves they've tried to make or some of the rumors around moves they've tried to make to be able to get into position to do that. And a lot of that revolves around the wide receiver position. And we'll start there because there's some news with Stefan Diggs signing a four-year, $104 million contract extension. I don't think there was ever any question that the Bills and Diggs were going to get something done. But what this does, once again, is establish the receiver market. We saw it with Tyreek Hill. We saw it with Devontae Adams. And whenever A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf sign their deals, in addition to Debo Samuel, you're going to see that as well. Terry McLaren, too, I'm sure. And we'll get into all of those guys in a bit because there's been some rumors involving them in the Jets. But Stefan Diggs signs. He stays with the Bills. This affects the Jets in two different ways. A, it pushes the receiver market up, which they've been trying to get into. And B, this means that Stefan Diggs is going to be around to terrorize the Jets for a really long time. When we talk about the receiver market, especially with AJ and DK, um, DK was, I mean, it, people think that, okay, he might be available since the, the Seahawks are kind of imploding. But, like, when I talk to reporters or I even talk to, like, you know, his, some of the people in his reps, it just always seemed like they're like, no, that's not happening for the most part, but like Jet fans believe that DK was going to be a Jet eventually. And that, you know, once he's made available, the Jet's going to go after him and they're going to lock him down. Um, and I'm just like, that's just not guaranteed. You know what I mean? Um, and then with AJ Brown, that kind of came out of nowhere. And I think that was just more, I, I think DK and, the, uh, and AJ Brown were just more media noise where it was like, since we saw Tyree Hill get moved, people thought, okay, Maybe these guys can get moved since they're in the last year of their contract when in reality it's like, okay, why would those teams want to trade DK or AJ? They one, the the Titans, they think they're in win now mode. They need a, AJ to be able to potentially win a Super Bowl. The the Seahawks, granted, they're kind of rebuilding, but why would you then get rid of DK? Why would you get rid of your argument, your best player? I get it, Russ is gone. I completely get that. But why would you then get rid of, rid of DK just for the hell of it? You know what I'm saying? Like, why not, okay, sign him to a long-term extension and then see if Drew Locke's a guy, which I don't think he will be, but or maybe draft another quarterback. And then now that quarterback, whether it's Drew Locke or the rookie quarterback, at least they're going to have two good receivers to throw the ball to to help their development. Why would you sabotage your young quarterback's development in that aspect? So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was crazy that, that was even becoming a thing, but at least for the most part, it's kind of nipped in the bud. Um, I'm, I'm just glad a lot of that. I mean, I saw a report today saying that the Eagle, not the Eagles, the um, the Jets were going to offer the ten, but the Seahawks were just like DK is not even available. That that story is kind of interesting. Kind of a different perspective. 
because it's like you know then reports came out that the jets would never they never offered it and technically yeah they did it like I, I reached out to my sources and they said fake news which that makes sense um but again like the seahawks basically say he's not available so they're not even taking calls so of course like they just never offered that like it's kind of common sense yeah they didn't offer it because the seahawks aren't taking calls on dk for the most part mm. like they may you got to blow them away i think you got to really blow them away for them to basically maybe i think if you offer two ones you might be able to get them or maybe that might be able to pry him but i think they want to keep him for the most part um and i think aj was always a pipe dream and that's that i think they want if they just want to get receiver help they got to go through the draft it's really looking that way because you keep seeing reports of these receivers potentially being available, but then you hear reports that they're really not available and the initial reports about them potentially being available is really just naked speculation. I had talked about right. this a while back, but then I tweeted something about it the other day. I checked in with somebody I know that's very plugged in with the Titans, ran the A.J. Brown thing by him, and he basically said no way and said that they're working towards a contract extension and expectations are that A.J. Brown will have signed it by some sometime early in camp and then of course Diana Rossini from ESPN comes out and says more or less the exact same thing the Titans are not taking calls on AJ Brown they're not willing to discuss anything I heard something similar although not as strong with DK Metcalf heard that he is not being shopped and they are not taking calls on him however unlike what I heard with the Titans like you said DJ I did hear everybody has a price so I suppose it's possible that if somebody offers something insane Maybe they consider trading him, but short of that, they are not looking to move him. I don't think either one of those guys is going anywhere. Debo Samuel was another one that was ridiculous. And of course, Terry McLaren, that was another name that was thrown out simply because all of these guys are going into the final year of their rookie deals. So people are speculating based on what the wide receiver market is right now. But we both know, DJ, that even if... They can't reach an agreement with these guys. These teams can just franchise tag them next year and then move them. They don't have to do it now. And especially in a situation like Tennessee, where they were the number one seed last year, why would they trade away the only offensive player that they can rely upon, considering that we saw the Jones fracture with Henry, who now has 1,500 career carries and is 28 years old. And you know that Robert Woods is coming off that ACL injury, and he's going to be 30 years old. A.J. Brown's the only one that you can rely upon. It makes no sense for them to deal him again. If they can't work out a long-term deal, they can do it next offseason. The 49ers, they have a young quarterback in Trey Lance. Why would you want to rip away the best weapon that he has when, again, you were this close to the Super Bowl last year and you can tag him and trade him next year, worst-case scenario? And you could go through the list of all these guys. It never made any sense that they were going to get moved. And the more you talk to people and the more you hear, it looks like none of them are going to get moved. And so the Jets are going to have to look at the draft, as you said, DJ. And let's talk about some of the guys that the Jets could potentially get in this draft. It doesn't have to be at 4 or 10. It could be at 35. It could be at 38. It could be at 69. They can move up back into the first round from the second round. Any of that is possible. But there is some news on some of these guys, and we'll start with Drake London. I know he's your personal favorite receiver. I like London. I think he's a good player. Not sure I would take him at 10, but he's certainly mm -hmm. going to be in consideration there if he's on the board when the Jets pick. And the news is that that foot injury that we know was lingering is going to cause his pro day to get pushed back a little bit. I wonder if this is going to hurt his stock at all. I'm not saying he's going to drop out of the first round or anything, but does this maybe push him down a little bit more than we were originally anticipating, DJ? 
I think I mean we just gotta see he runs at his pro day. Let's say he runs like four six five, then yeah. But if he runs like four four, which I don't think he'll run four four, but hypothetically, I didn't think Garrett Wilson's gonna go four three. Let's say he runs four four or even four five, like uh, low, then I think his his stock will be fine because his film was so dominant. Um, like just on a play by play standpoint, it was, pre- it was it was pretty good. Um, so I don't think his 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 stock would drop. I mean, my favorite favorite receiver was Jamo, but Jamo got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, he was my like. If everybody's healthy, he'd have been my number one guy. Like that'd have been a guy I would have been writing columns about. Like draft him. Do not play games. Draft this guy immediately. Um, I mean, I was talking to somebody that that said that he might have been in play at four, to be honest, if he was health, completely healthy, got through the season unscathed because, like, of how dynamic he was, which explains why they were willing to – because that skill set was something that they just don't have. We just completely blow a top off. Yeah, basically a cheap touchdown, basically a 75-yard touchdown with ease because of just his dynamic ability. Um, so, but, you know, he ended up getting hurt, so that kind of muddies the water a little bit. Um, the Jets, they think – from people I've spoken to, they think he'll be available like mid season. If, if you know, when it, wherever he goes, he'll be available mid season. That's what they think. Mm-hmm. Um, Drake, what I like about him is he provides a skill set that nobody on the Jets roster has right now, which is basically a big body threat down the field. Because um, even though he's not a burner, he can still make plays down the field because of his size, his ability to get a go up and attack the football in the air. Um, obviously, he's a former basketball player, so obviously that's where a lot of his leaping ability comes from, too. Um, he's also good with the ball in his hands from a yak perspective. He has um, enough quickness, whether it's at the, the line or whether it's at the top of his routes to get in and out of his breaks or be able to beat cornerbacks across their face, whether they're going outside or inside, um, at the line of scrimmage. Um, and he has he has good hands. Obviously, there's you know, occasionally some drops, but... He's still young, has a lot of potential. I see a lot of Mike Evans in him. I see a lot of Brandon Marshall in him. I see some Mike Williams in him. So I think he'll be a good a good pro. I'm obviously, you know, he separated enough in college, but he's, it's not like he's Garrett Wilson in terms of separation. Garrett Wilson can could create room in a phone booth. But um, when it comes to Drake, he possesses something that the Jets don't have. And when you think about what Zach Wilson thrived with in college. Well, I was just looking at his highlights and I tweeted it out. Look at his highlights. Look at a lot of his great plays. A lot of it came down to, okay, you know, rolled out of the pocket, things like that, off script. But when he threw the ball down the field, he's throwing it and giving his guys an opportunity to win those one-on-ones. And a lot of times the guys came down with 50-50 balls, you know what I'm saying? Whether it was um, – I remember one play where he's running around and then he ends up throwing it to a corner – not the corner, but like the pylon line. And I think it is uh, is Rodney who ends up going right over the, the defensive back's hand, uh, head, getting into the end zone, or whether it's the touchdown to uh, you know against UCF, where I think he's throwing it to um, Mill uh, to Dak, and you know score that touchdown with a one-two against Houston, where that one was like you know first first drive of the game touchdown, where he throws throws basically a jump ball and his receiver comes down with it over the Houston guy, so. It's clear what Zach Wilson wanted. Like he wants to be a gunslinger. He wants to, you know, let it rip and throw it into tight windows and throw it up to give his guys chances. So Drake gives the Jets that element too. Because let's say you know you get guess because I had someone tell me that Garrett Wilson is basically like a taller Elijah Moore. And y'all know I love Elijah Moore. I think Elijah Moore could be a number one. I think Elijah Moore, as long as he stays healthy, will be a thousand yard receiver this year. But when you come, let's say you come across a team where they can match guys that. 
basically they, they can counter guys that went through separation to get can counter that. Now you gotta be able to counter that. Cause basically, you know, teams wanna make you play offhanded, left-handed basically. And if you can find basically have another tool in the toolbox, well another weapon in the toolbox to where, okay, Elijah's our separator, but we still have our big body guy that can still make plays down the field for us and win in those contested catch situations. And we still have Corey Davis, who's basically in between both of those. We have a very a various amount of options to where, okay, if you're taking that away, we can go with this. Or if we're taking away our big body, we can go to Elijah because Elijah's going to be able to win with quickness. So it's things like that that why I like Drake London for this offense. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. It's interesting you brought up Jamison Williams, DJ, because as far as him being ready by midseason, here's what Dr. Steven Stoller told me, friend of the show, friend of mine. He's been on a bunch, and if the Jets pick Jamison Williams, he's going to come on and talk a lot about the surgery that he had and the recovery time and all that. But here's what he texted me. We had a long conversation about this, so it'll be fun to revisit if the Jets do wind up taking Jamison Williams. He said that Williams could be recovered fully in six months from the ACL, barring any complications. Talked about how there's a new procedure that can be used, wrapping a brace. Obviously, I'm not a medical expert, so this is in his wheelhouse, but I'm just reading what he said. He said, worst case scenario, he thinks latest he'd be back is sometime in August. So I don't know if the Jets disagree, or maybe we'll see once these teams have a closer look at the medical, but Williams is certainly one of the interesting wild cards here in this draft, and the Jets have scheduled a private 
meeting with him. They've got 11 setups so far, including Williams, also Traylon Burks, Ikemaquanu, Sauce Gardner, Aiden Hutchinson, Chris Olave, Kayvon Thibodeau, who has obviously been a very polarizing prospect throughout this draft process so far, Trayvon Walker, Garrett Wilson, who you mentioned, Perion Winfrey, and Devontae Wyatt. So, DJ, tell me a little bit about some of these private visits that have been scheduled and if you're hearing that there are more that are coming. Yeah, so I know they're going to meet with Jermaine Johnson next week. They're going to meet with Kayvon Thibodeau next week also. Uh, obviously, they, they, they've met with Kayvon plenty, but they're going to bring him in for a visit next week, uh, I've been told. But it's basically they, they they use these meetings to figure out a lot more about the player, I mean, the, the, the person, not the player. Because the film is the film. At the end of the day, the film is a film. That's not really changing. Mm-hmm. But they still want to be able to see who – you know, find out the character of these guys and how they would fit and I guess tap into their their I guess their brain power and see how they would see the game and see how cause a lot of it goes beyond the talent is always going to be there for the most part. If you're a first round guy, you got talent. A lot of the, a lot of their success hinges on how do you retain information? How do you study film? How do you see defenses or how do you see offenses? Um how do you attack weaknesses? How do, you know what are your own weaknesses and how you're going to improve them? Things of that nature, um, which is what you and I were talking off the you know off the screen about what kind of hurt Denzel Mims this year it wasn't really talent. It was just more about you know mentally he wasn't able to bounce back from you know the the food poisoning and just bounce back from the adversity that he was dealing with. So that's what that kind of comes down to, and I think that's what the entire meetings are basically before just so they can learn more about the guy versus learning more about like them as athletes they already know like how they are so just tap into their mindset and see how they would be able to fit from a personality standpoint and that's what pro days are for too there was a big pro day today at lsu involving Derek stingley jr who has also been one of the most polarizing prospects in this draft because he's had his fair share of injuries, but if you watch his tape, there is no denying what an absolutely incredible talent he is. So it really, to me, comes down to how comfortable you are with his medicals. But he ran a 4.37 today, which is outstanding, and also had a 38.5 vertical. That is some incredible leaping for a guy that's going to play corner and who has good size to begin with. He's really good in man, and he could be somebody that, if he's stays healthy, has the potential to be that island-type corner. You wonder if he slides down to number 10, which is certainly possible, depending on what the Jets do at number 4, if he could be in play for them there. The Jets did get an up-close look there. What do you know about the Jets' interest in Derek Stingley Jr. or lack of interest? Where do they sit with him right now? Based on people that I've talked to in terms of Derek Stingley, it's basically they they all think he's uber-talented. They think He's a baller because, like, I've had some of them mention some of the best I've ever seen from, you know, a guy that young at that at that position. They all come back to the why. Why wasn't the play as good as 2019? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't even think the injuries concern them that much. I think a lot of it comes down to Derek, like, is Derek Stingley coachable? I don't know if he is or isn't. Like, I can't really speak on that. I, I mean, I don't know if he is or isn't. They, they just want to figure out that, right? I had one guy say, okay, you know, would he be able to be coached by uh, Tony Oden? Not saying that Tony Oden is a hard, uh, you know, he, he's a difficult coach to work with. But, again, like, will he be receptive to coaching? I, I would think that he would be since, I mean, he's just he's, he's that talented. 
But, you know, obviously they've heard that, I've heard that he has family influence. So how strong is that family influence? Because we all influenced by our families, but there is, um, you know, basically, I put myself as an example. Like me, I'm not really that influenced by my parents. And then there's LeVar Ball where like, you know, his his kids are influenced by their dad, you know, because their dad is a strong figure in those kids' lives. And obviously Derek Sinley's dad is pretty, is heavily involved and um, with with his son in that aspect, and sometimes, they, you know, it could be a little, it could overstep some boundaries at, at times. Well, let me not say overstep some boundaries, but he's heavily involved. And let's leave it at that. So they want to know how heavily involved. Well, like how much does that affect their extremely the player, things of that nature. So it's, it's things that they want to figure out because they want to figure out the why. Because again, like they feel like he's extremely talented. Um, I don't think it'll be. I don't think he's gonna go top ten. I think he's gonna slip a little bit because of. Um, just the injuries and just the, I'm not being as good. I mean, he's played 10 games since 2019, 2019 season. So, but man, the talent is there. Like, that's a guy that you could for sure leave on an island. Um, and he won't give up that many explosives, um, especially down, you know, like, because coaches, they really want guys that can prevent giving up, you know, like the nine ball and like, you know, explosive. Because you give up explosives. They feel like that can result into touchdowns. Whether it's okay, you give a forty-yard gain. Now there, now there might be a field goal range, and that changes up everything. How the coordinator is calling things because maybe they, they get a little bit more aggressive, so they can try to knock them out of field goal range, and then well, they get burned by that aggressiveness. So things like that. And Derek Stingley was outside of like the Alabama game because Alabama game both years. Devonta Smith took him, took him to the woodshed, but um, for the most part, he was good at taking that away. You know, like from 2019, he had some issues with inside routes, but he was going against, you know, Van Jefferson. I remember plays like that. Van Jefferson was getting him, C.D. Lamb. But, like, those are really good NFL players. Those are good NFL receivers. So that that's kind of predictable, especially for a kid out of 18 at, at that time. Um, but talent is there, so I agree with you there for the most part. We just have to see how to – I mean, I don't really know if the Jets go corner in the top 10. We'll see on that front. You you know most people that follow me on Twitter know how. But like to me, I go D angle corner at ten and call it a day. But I don't I don't think the Jets as not feel like the Jets are gonna go in that direction. Well, now that they have DJ Reed, they kind of want to see a step from Ben Echoes and Bryce Hall. But I mean, man, if you can get a guy like Sauce or Stingley at ten, you know, and along with get an edge at four with his Kayvon or Jermaine Johnson, that the defense goes from thirty second to potentially being top twenty. Cause though that that's a that that's really really good talent that's being added to to the team, and you try to get receiver in the second round, which you and I both agree, you can find that like that won't be hard. And you could always trade up back into the first round for a receiver if you play the board and you feel like there's a guy you really want that slipped a little bit, or there's several guys that you have bunched together. Really, kind of depends on how your board is stacked. But I also wanted to throw out the fact that you have been big on talking about the fact that the Jets do not necessarily view Bryce Hall or Brandon Eccles as long-term starters. They think it's possible, but I don't know that they would necessarily let either one of those guys keep them from drafting somebody like Stingley or Sauce Gardner if they really liked one of those guys, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think if they don't, if they weren't, if they didn't go corner at 10 or even corner in the second round because they had to, they, there was somebody else, like a different position where it's like, okay, let's go get that so we can, you know, what is like, a, let's say in the second round, like adding like an interior defensive lineman because the, the interior defensive line play was just not good last year. 
Mm-hmm. Regardless, it was just not good, especially against the run. So maybe they go, okay, let's try to adjust that. Or we try to get a linebacker to pair with Quincy Williams or CJ Mo- and CJ Mosley. Or we go get a safety to pair with Jordan Whitehead or LaMarcus, Join- uh, LaMarcus Joyner. Or we go get a receiver, you know, in the first round to, to pair with Elijah Moore or Corey Davis. It wouldn't be because, you know, they 110% sold that Bryce Hall and Brandon Echols are the long-term sol- uh, so- solutions. Because let's, let's be honest, let's say – Let's say um, Bryce Hall and Brandon Echols play at the same exact level they played at last year. Like that's that's that next year you're gonna be still thinking like we have to add at the position, you know. So um, for me, from basically you know, just the conversation I've had, yeah, they don't. I don't think they see them as long term solutions, but they could end up becoming a long term solution. Let's not act like they couldn't, but they do need to take another step. That is for sure. Without question, they do need to take another step because the film, the numbers, and again, just the game planning, it, it kind of contradicts what some Jeff fans believe about, you know, just the corner, they believed about the cornerback group going into, you know, uh, the, the offseason initially. They want to use premium assets to try to go get a cornerback, and they went and got DJ Reed. You know, that was somebody that they, they highly coveted, and that's a guy that's, that I, I like DJ Reed a lot. But back to your original point with – Bryce Hall and Brennan Echols, they for sure got to take a step this year, regardless. Like, Bryce Hall has to be able to turn some of those um, pass deflections into PBUs and has to be better on third downs. You cannot be a starting NFL caliber corner if you're getting – quarterbacks have a passer rate of 120 on third down when targeting you. Because third down is the money down. You know the Jets want to go man on third down so they can do some exotic blitzes, maybe do some fire zones, but regardless – but there's some exotic blitz where they delay some of the blitzes, so when they leave the corners on the island, you got to be able to hold up in coverage. And you know, time and time again, you know, Bryce has some issues in the, in, in those situations. So got to be better in those situations um, overall. So that's kind of where I am with the uh, Bryce Hall and Brandon Eccles thing. I mean, I, I mean, I think if I had to put my money, who's going to be better long term? I would put my money on Brandon Eccles. I like Bryce Hall though, but I, I'm just higher on Brandon Echols. And I but, but I do think Bryce Hall was better last year, but I, I am higher on Brandon Echols long term. Um I do want to ask you what are, what are your thoughts on potentially going offensive tackle at four? I wouldn't do it. I just think it makes no sense. Before the Tomlinson move, I thought it made some sense because you could have put a Quanu at guard where he has played before year one and then move him to tackle once George Fant is gone. But it doesn't make any sense to me to pick a guy that you may not even have a spot for in his first season because he's definitely not playing guard now. Tomlinson and Elijah Vera Tucker are going to be the guards. And Becton is going to be one of the tackles if he's healthy. So are you going to sit Fant? And if you do, then what? You're paying him $9 million. If you get a Quanu and he's just an injury replacement or an insurance policy, then that's what you're using the number four overall pick on. That just seems crazy to me. I think when you're a team like the Jets, who has holes all over the place, premium positions you can fill at number four or even if you wanted to go with a guy like Kyle Hamilton which I wouldn't do but I'm just saying you have holes there too you got needs everywhere why would you make that sort of investment in a guy that you would have to either redshirt or you would have to take somebody who's already part of your strongest unit and put him on the bench or make a trade where you're creating a hole that you have to fill with the fourth overall pick just think if you want 
offensive line depth or a guy that you think could be a long-term starter, you could get one in the second or third round or even the fourth round. Number four seems a little bit crazy to me. Yeah, um, those, those are great points, and I agree with most of the points. Um, you know, you could ride out Fant and, and Beckton and be just fine, you know? Like, those two – if Beckton plays up to potential and Fant continues the same level of play from last year, even if, like, it dips off a little bit, but it's still relatively good to – you know, solid to good, you're straight there. You know, the offensive line is straight. Yeah, you don't need to use a plethora of resources – on the offensive line, like there's been a lot of assets put into the offense, like a ton. Elijah Ray Tucker, if you're paying uh, McGovern a lot of money, you're paying Fant a lot of money. You used a first round pick on Makai, then you can use. You're paying uh, Thomason a ten, you know, basically um, three for forty million, and then you're gonna use another first round pick, basically a top five pick on another tackle. That's that. That is a lot of resources used on the offensive line where you can use some of that somewhere else, you know, um, as you said, just to fill some other holes. Cause there's just so many other holes where it's like, yo, this is when, this is the one unit mm-hmm. where we can legitimately say, as long as they're healthy, they don't really need to add anything. We can't say that about running back, receiver, corner, linebacker, D line, safety. We can't say that about any position except offensive line. And I guess you can say quarterback cause they're not, they're not going to, you know, Bring somebody could be with that. DJ Bienemy covering the New York Jets for the New York Daily News. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. I hope we can make this more of a regular thing, man. It was a blast talking to you. And like I said, it's crazy that it took us this long to do it. But for those that haven't been reading your work, they should be. How can they get a hold of you on social media? And how can they check out what you're doing in the Daily News? Got anything fun planned over the next couple of days in terms of articles that you're going to be releasing? Probably, you know, do a mock draft. I do a lot of thinking about this mock draft. I'll probably release on Friday. I'm not going to write anything tomorrow on Thursday. But that and, um, yeah, that's basically that. There are some features that I'm trying to do. I just have to get through some of the gatekeepers. But mm-hmm. I, there, there's some features. I have some creative ideas that I want to do for sure. Um, so, yeah, that, that's basically, you know, things that are coming up. Um, so that's basically that. So. Um, and then obviously my Twitter is DJ Bienvenue. There you go. Follow DJ on Twitter and read his work in the Daily News. Check out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. We've got all 22 film breakdowns of a lot of the prospects that we were talking about before. So make sure that you watch them all. Subscribe to our channel because we've got a lot more coming as we get closer and closer to the draft. We've got the Play Like a Jet store where you can get the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there. Tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time. Doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. 
To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.